Okay, folks, we're back on the Adrian Bow podcast, episode 82, and I'm delighted uh, today to welcome a guest, uh, Mr. Peter Matthews. Peter, how are you doing? I'm really well, thanks, Adrian. How are you going? Excellent, excellent, mate. I've been uh, really looking forward to this particular episode, and um, we were just having a brief chat prior to going live and uh, it's interesting how we've uh, known of each other and, 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 and crossed paths many times but never actually sat down and had a, had a detailed conversation. So we've had a brief one but, uh, you know, I, I think we're going to have that detailed conversation with, with a thousand listeners if that's okay with you. Yeah, that's <laughs> well, it's like having a, a, a private conversation in a coffee shop these days, isn't it? No such thing. Yeah, exactly, mate. Exactly. So, I mean, I've been in the industry 32 years. What about about you? I've been in exact well, same time. So this is my 32nd year this year as well. Incredible, incredible. So, were you a, a class of 88? Yeah. So, yeah. Look, what I started when I started, it was um, I actually started works well. So, I'm just going to get my years right now. Maybe yeah. this is my 31st. Anyway, um, yeah. I actually started in. Um, when I was 18, yeah, um, I, I started as a as an office junior was my title, which I, I really hated, but I was lucky enough to work at Ray White Corporate in the very, very early days. Um, so that was when Ray White weren't the, I guess, the juggernaut that they are today. And they'd only mm. just recently sort of moved down to New South Wales. So I was very lucky to be part of, of, that, um, of that business in the very early days. Interesting. Great. And then obviously you, you took the journey, you know, into sales and then business ownership, et cetera, which we'll have a chat about. Um, yep. So for those who don't know Peter, um, there, there's a couple of things. One, he is the founder and CEO of Realtair, which is a juggernaut in its own, it's in its own sense, which we'll, which we'll have a, a, a chat about, despite not, not having the same tenure as a, as a Ray White. It's, it's, it's a recent player to uh, the real estate landscape um, in relative terms anyway. Um, and uh, also just been appointed as uh, the uh, president of the Real Estate Institute of New South Wales, Pete. Yeah, well, that the, uh, the I'm president-elect officially, which uh, the way that the REI New South Wales works, I've been a vice president for a number of years um, and been on the board, I think, for six or seven years, I think, altogether. And Leanne, is, Leanne Pilkington is still the current president, but I become the president-elect uh, for a year and then I take over and actually it's the end of October this year, uh, 2021. So... I get to shadow Leanne and, and um, understand how all I'm going to be able to try and fit all this in, uh, which is which has been interesting, but um, but we'll make it happen. Fantastic, and and the appointment is is a twelve month anniversary each time. Is that how it works? No, uh, so it's a two year appointment. So right. um, constitutionally, in the REI, you can uh, you 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 are a VP for a number of years, and then from being a vice president, you then get to run for president and I got elected in uh, November last year to take over in uh, end of October this year, which will be, which will be great for, for, for a two year term, which I'm looking forward to. And can you be reelected or is one year, is a one year term the maximum? No. So you've got, you've got, a, you've got one term, but it's two years. So right. okay. um, the, and then what happens then for the next uh, year, I think, or, or thereabouts, you become the, the former president and you're still involved with the board um, and your tenure ceases from there. 
Yeah, so obviously being involved with the board for, for, for half a dozen years or so, I mean, a lot of people would be listening to this thinking, God, what a thankless job that would be. Um, you know, so w- what what was your initial motivation around that, despite being, you know, an altruistic um, uh, role and giving back to the community in terms of the real estate fraternity? But, um, you know, I'm, you know no, no one's going to get rich out of being, you know, a board member. Um, so, you know, that's, that's, it's very admirable of you. What, what motivated you to do that in the first place? So what, what happened is, I mean, I, 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 I guess I grew up in the Ray White group um, in a franchise environment that, that didn't really have a lot to do with the REI. It was kind of seen back in those early days in the 90s and, and probably early 2000s as being more of a haven for independence. And there's some amazing independent businesses there. Mm. Um, my, um, you know, my main reason for getting involved is that I was like yourself, I've been in the business for so long and you kind of get to a point where you think, you know, I really want to have some kind of influence on the future. And there's really no other way uh, to be able to do that unless you do get involved in the REI. Um, right. And then to be honest, I learned so much about what the REI did and, and thankless is, is a very fair description because they do such incredible work um, mm. And for a board member, at least, it, it is, and you know, it's an unpaid role. There's, there's, there's no money at all. In fact, it's you giving your time, so mm. paying yourself to be there. But the thing that's incredible is just working with such amazing people who don't get the recognition they deserve for what they actually do for the industry, particularly around lobbying and dealing with, you know, government um, with some of the crazy changes that have been suggested that the REI has. You know, in some cases, you know, supremely been able to remove some of those crazy suggestions of changes, particularly to Residential Tenancies Act. Um, and in other situations, in most, it is that we get to water down the craziness to still finish up with a fairly sort of poor situation, but mm. it's the best um, that we that we could have got. And if you take strata reforms as an example, like the team have been working on that, there's a 96-page submission. Um, you know, you're talking about... Um, yeah, thousands of hours in, in preparation of putting all that together and then submitting that through. So, yeah, you know, it's, it's an incredible team, and it's it's. I actually really enjoy being part of it because you you do genuinely make a difference for everyone. Mm. Well, mate, on behalf of the industry, can I thank you then for that thankless role? <laughs> yes. um, and let, let's let's change the paradigm and actually get some um, gratitude around it. So, on behalf of the industry, thank you. Oh, thank for, you for, for for your service in the last six or seven years, and thank you for committing to be the president. And um, I, I'm sure everyone will be uh, watching with anticipation in terms of you know what what sort of shift um, you you could be responsible and what your legacy might look like in terms of you know that that particular purview. Um, what what would your role look like as president and um, without sort of shadowing Leanne uh, for too long at this particular point, but what, what sort of roles and responsibilities will you have? Well, I mean, I guess as the, as the president, um, you've got, I guess you're the, I guess the maker with a board of, um, of other volunteers that have come from great businesses. You also get the ability to actually pick some directors for the board so that that's that's terrific the rest are elected to that position um, you work very closely with um, the CEO the GM the legal team at the REI 
And one of the, the primary responsibilities is obviously to provide value to the membership, um, grow that membership, but equally to provide a voice for the industry to ensure that we get positive change. And I guess, you know, from a mandate perspective, um, you know, what I would like to do is to bring a greater awareness to the value that the Institute provides. Um, I do think that in this day and age that we've got a much uh, stronger position to collaborate as, as industry and have a stronger voice at at a government level. I think that our regulator that exists today doesn't really understand our business at all. And that in some of the um, press releases just more recently, particularly around under quoting where, you know, we're, we're governed by the same regulator that, that wishes to punish us for exactly the things that they're asking us to do. Um, so, you know, you need to, as an example, you need to provide evidence, sales evidence of what, your opinion of value is, you need to be able to produce that as evidence. You need to be only able to quote, quote within that evidence. Yet when you do that in a rising market, it's called underquoting. So the craziness of the fact that there isn't a regulator that understands what we do in our, in, in our industry and how we um, can best serve the customer. And it creates a really, really mixed message. And I guess that's one of the main things that the Institute does do, which is, you know, it is a bit thankless because you don't see the, 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 the outcomes of some of those really heated discussions. But my focus for the next two years will be to have a stronger voice uh, at a government level and be able to make some real positive, practical change to the way that agents um, are actually um, engaged with the community, but also in government around the legislation. Interesting. So with the underquoting, I mean, it's quite an incendiary topic and it's, it's, it's one of much contention. Um, what's your frustration around that at the moment? I know, I know you said that obviously, you know, there's, there's, there's conflictive narratives, right? You know, you've got, you've got a market where you're appraising a property and at the speed of which, it's progressing by the time it gets to a sale. Uh, fundamentally, fundamentally, the the value has changed, and that's an objective. That that's an objective piece of data. That's not that's not an agent's opinion. So, are you suggesting that that the the narrative from the media is that they're trying to turn something that's objective into subjective? Yeah, look, I, I can give you a great example. As you know, I, I've done a lot of auctions. I mean, I've done nearly 26,000 auctions in my time. And I was chatting to a buyer a, a couple of weeks ago who came up to me afterwards and was complaining about the fact that, you know, based on the result that we just achieved, that the agent was grossly underquoting. Mm. And I said, well, look, do you understand what the agent's responsibility is here? So we talked about the fact that you've got to have... Um, recent comparable sales. In fact, there's a checklist of about 12 considerations that fair trading mm. and REI recommend that you take into account when you, when you appraise a property. You've mm. got to make adjustments to that as you go. And, and you do that based on historical data. I said, and then what we do then is we're going to take the property to market. We then survey the market and find out from buyers their opinion of value. And from that, we then adjust our selling estimate. And we then have to document that to say that mm. we've made an adjustment. Mm. And, and I said, so let me ask you this question. You know, you bid to, and I can't remember the price, but say that, you know, it was, you know, 1.5 reserve and it and sold for 1.8. I said, look, you bid to 1.75. Did you tell the agent that you'd pay 1.75? Mm. He said, no way. I wouldn't tell him that. And I said, well, you've underquoted. You underquoted to the agent. So, in fact, the actual underquoting is actually taking place from 
what you have done by not communicating clearly to the agents. So I said, it is, I'm not saying that, that all agents are operating at 100% um, capacity, but I can say, and I'm sure you would agree too, most agents don't go out to upset the apple cart with buyers. In fact, they try mm. to be as transparent as possible. Mm. But if transparency, just based on competition and the thrust of the market, um, that transparency isn't um, understandably reciprocated from buyers. And that's why we have the problem that we have. Mm. It's not because agents are trying to um, give buyers a you know, misfact or misrepresent the property's value. It's just they're trying in a rising market to be as accurate as possible. Mm. Um, and we have that conflict of where you've got buyers that do not want to share, understandably, exactly what they'd be prepared to pay. Mm. So that was a really good example, I thought, of, of how this whole question of underquoting is, is quite mismanaged um, in the media, particularly by the regulator, because of their position around trying to find a, uh, a scapegoat for um, an issue in a marketplace that really, you know, it's, it's, it's a really, it's a hard one to solve because you do need buyers to be transparent. And, and as a buyer, I, I can say quite comfortably, I, I would be keeping my cards close to my chest as well. Mm. It's not an easy one to solve, but it's also not one that's an, an agent issue, I don't think. Mm. That's very refreshing to hear coming from, an authority figure of the industry. I've got to say that because there's a lot of agent bashing in on this topic, Pete, as you know, a lot of agent bashing. And I agree with you. There'd there'd be a few rotten apples that are um, uh, certainly, you know, uh, you know, uh, let's not say, underquoting per se, but they may be um, taking advantage um, of the current market conditions and and intentionally, you know, placing a, a, a more conservative price guide than what they think is appropriate. So let's say there's there's a there's a there, there's a small portion of agents doing that, right? But in the main, invariably, as you've said. No agent wakes up and says, okay, today I want to upset buyers. Today I want to misrepresent my vendor. Today I want to have seven disgruntled buyers. Like it just doesn't, it just doesn't happen, you know. No, yet- no one wants the anguish, right? And, and, yeah. and also too, every every buyer is a seller in some way. So, you know, mm-hmm. what we're very attuned to, if you're a, if you're a good agent, in, even if you're an average agent, what you're attuned to is is that your business is is, is a the perpetuity of your business relies on your relationships and, and you can't afford to um, go into any um, environment or, or negotiation with a view of trying to sort of get, not, not do the right thing. And, I, and, 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 and at large, um, most agents do that and do that very well. In fact, I, I know more, loads more that do than, than don't. Yeah, I agree. I'm, I'm the same. I agree with you 100%. And, and we must accept, not that it's a, a cop-out, but we must also accept that, you know, in the three decades you and I have both been working in the industry, this is certainly the, the fastest and most rapid growth we've seen within a very short period of time. So it's, it's a week-by-week uh, uh, um, you know, pulse that must be taken. Uh, and as you accurately pointed out, um, to that buyer that approached you, we are monitoring the campaign weekly and we are making adjustments um, weekly, um, whether that's in an upwards or downwards fashion and documenting to comply. So um, this is not, this is, you know, it's not the Wild West. There's, there, there is a lot of compliance which agents must go through. And in the main, 
agents do it and follow it. So I, I think that, that it's going to be pretty refreshing for a lot of agents to hear that. Um, for, for those that are abusing the system and are taking advantage of the market and are using the market as a cop-out, please stop. Um, because it, it, it's not going to do the industry any favours. We're already on the back foot and it's only going to make Pete's job harder when he's headbutting with the legislators um, to, 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 to seek change. True or not, Pete? Yeah, no, it's very true. And look, um, to be fair to the regulator too, they've got to try, they've got to try and come up with some set of rules that, that do allow um, you know, some balance between you know, the buyer and the seller. And, and look, we really are that meat in the sandwich. And I mean, look, I think that the best thing an agent can do is just be be honest and open in their communication, document any changes that they've made, and, and just expect the same from the buyer and the seller, um, and make life easier a lot for a lot easier for for everyone. But the evidence of what you've done and the changes that you've made, you just need to make sure that you've got those readily available because the regulator is out and about, and they are looking to ensure that that you know that the rules that they've written are being followed. So. Mm. Large, most agents do that very well. So, without being disrespectful to to the regulators, um, like some ideas they come up with, uh, you know, which you mentioned earlier, you, you 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 do you do look at them and read them sometimes, and the mind boggles. You know, the mind does boggle, um, especially when you look at, you know, what happened in Queensland, you know, a few years ago, which, you know, I was, myself and John McGraw were heavily involved in lobbying against, you know, um, you know, auctions not being able to, um, you know, have price guides, et cetera. I mean, it's just insanity, you know. So the mind boggles with that in particular. Um, so what, what, what's, what's their objective and are they naive or uh, does, do they come from a good place and they think they're, they're really trying to represent a wider audience but sometimes they just get it wrong? Like I'm just so curious and fascinated, you know, what, what goes wrong and why? Yeah, look, it's, um, I mean, without being the regulator and being able to answer that for them, um, having worked pretty closely um, from an REI perspective with the regulator for a number of years, that there is no intention at all from, from the regulator's point of view to make life harder for mm. buyers, agents or, or, uh, or sellers. Mm. But what they do is that they respond to community issues um, and sometimes they respond very swiftly without a direct understanding of what the process is. And sometimes that there are decisions made that in a, in a boardroom seem very logical and make complete sense, um, but then aren't truly tested with um, the expertise that is available in the industry. And, you know, we've, we've uh, for a long time, um, you know, lobbying is, um, you know, spending time talking with government about what it is that we recommend. Um, sometimes our recommendations are taken on board, which is terrific, and other times they're not. Um, unfortunately, I think it's, you know, you've got a big machine government and it's very, very difficult for, um, for change, genuine change to be made. And I guess also too, we don't, as you mentioned earlier, we don't really help ourselves either by um, some sectors of our industry that just don't um, follow the rules. Um, they don't um, communicate clearly and transparently. Um, and they do, whilst they don't, I believe, you know, seek to, to cause disruption, what they do is that they create disruption. So it's, it's, it's a small group that actually has a, an impact on tighter and tighter regulation coming into our industry because mm. of 
simple, simple things. And, and the government's position really is first protect the consumer. Um, the last thing they really think about is how it impacts on us as agents. Um, but I think a more collaborative uh, conversation with the regulator is is never ever going to be a bad thing, and, and we we welcome that from the institute's perspective. That's for sure. Yes, uh, when you talk about a swift and potentially unthought piece of legislation, surely what happened in Victoria during COVID, when you could go and grab a cup of coffee, but an agent literally couldn't show a buy through, even though they were saying we'll wear masks, we'll do this, we'll we'll we'll, we'll, we'll be COVID safe. We'll do. I mean. Surely that was a, a, an unthought out and very arbitrary and impetuous decision on their part, right? Look, I, I think the thing that all um, state and federal governments um, during COVID, the fact that decisions were made swiftly was a real positive. Mm. Um, I think the thing that we had um, in our favour as an industry, what we proved is that irrespective of those decisions, right or wrong in our eyes, we managed to move very quickly as an industry to be able to still provide services, um, still provide great services um, to uh, buyers and sellers during that time. And, and I'm probably like you, I've, I've never been prouder of, of, of our industry and to be an agent for as long as I have than during the COVID time, because we, you know, we went from, I remember sort of, I think it was a Tuesday night at 9.30 where Scott Morrison said, look, there's no more auctions. That's it. Mm. No more open homes. And, you know, I, 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 like most of us went, well, okay, that's a bit of a problem. Mm. But, but as an industry, we, we, we sorted it, we solved it. You know, we solved the, the auction situation. We solved the ability to be able to, you know, get buyers through property. We had buyers buying property, um, which I'm sure happened with you as, as many um, other great agents that I know who, you know, they sold properties on Facebook um, mm. by, by doing walkthroughs on Facebook. Mm-hmm. Um, like that's the thing about our industry, I reckon, that is that if in a, in, a, in a crisis time we do come together and we find a way, and that's that's what I was really proud of. Um, and I look at that and I think, so if we can do that in a crisis, then why do we why don't we do it more consistently and more collaboratively every day and mm. work better together so that we can actually genuinely transform this industry, particularly you know utilizing the amount of technology that's available and using that to our best advantage. Yeah, I agree. And I'm glad that that, that Victoria issue um, what was sorted. It did take a little, little bit of industry lobbying, um, obviously, from, from that state, but it, 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 it was sorted. But unfortunately, you know, if we had one hand tied behind our back, they had both. So yeah. they, they were up against it. But I'm glad it, it, it sorted itself out. And I was doing coaching sessions, Pete, with... With, with with some of the agents and 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 literally they were they were very very restricted about what they could do um, yeah. but but you're right you know you 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 come out on the other end and and the the resourcefulness the initiative that the industry and the and the camaraderie i think within the industry you know throughout the entire country was was incredible um, so that was that was that was a great a great learning um, curve certainly um, and it's good to see as a country you know that that we're revered you know especially from north america and europe in particular 
as as a hotspot, um, you know, to, uh, to 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 in terms of migration, because um, you know you're going to have you're going to have a lot of skilled migration, in my opinion. Where you know if you're if you're a, if you're a very skilled engineer, doctor, lawyer, or, or in North America or Europe, east coast of Australia, surely has got to be a pretty popular destination for you to live and buy property in. So that that'd be an interesting landscape to to see over the next twelve months or so. Yeah, agree, agree. Um, so, mate, just going back to your real estate journey. So, obviously, you 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 were a business owner of Ray White, and and you spent most of your time, you know, within within that network. Um, and then at some point, you 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 sold your business, correct? Yeah, we did. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Um, and and as many would know, the you know the the valuation mechanism of the business is the rent roll. So that's what was purchased. Um, and then you went independent, or was it you went independent before you sold the business? Yeah. So so what happened was is that uh, we, we we actually Realtor started uh, whilst we were with the Ray White Group. We actually right. Did, um, Go start understanding how we could better um, serve our existing uh, agents across our three offices. We're in Mossman, Neutral Bay, Crow's Nest in, in the lower North Shore of Sydney. Mm. Uh, we traded as Ray White for forty years. It's a fantastic group, really. You know, and I, you know, it's my, it's it's still in my DNA. It's um, it's it's been a very good um, group to work with. Um, but we, once we kind of understood that, you know, there was there was a better way to do things utilizing technology. We made the decision that you know we would um, actually look to provide that directly to um, our own brand, mm-hmm. and then license that brand was our original plan um, with the technology, and um, take the province brand as it was um, out to the the national market. Um, what happened though is that you know um, Lahudi changed his um, his his course, and um, I've known Matt for a number of years, and. Um, we got to talking um, only just after we'd made the decision to to move on from a brand perspective, which was a really tough one. And Matt um, told us about his plans. And that was really one of those times, Adrian, where, you know, I was on a very clear path. And then I guess there was that kind of point where that sliding door moment where you say, look, do we do this and do we just keep pushing on or do we take advantage of the opportunity that's there for us? And, and I guess I felt very comfortable about where the business was going, um, who it was going to and, and what their plan was. And I guess also too, what it allowed me to do is to rethink about what I could actually achieve with Realtor rather than that just being something that existed for our own brand. It actually could be something that we could offer to all agents um, nationally and potentially internationally. And, and that was a real defining moment um, in my career where I ended up, you know, going from being a franchisor and being a principal and being a salesperson and auctioneer to, you know, running a tech business, which is kind of not where I expected my career path to be. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not in the converse yet, but um, I don't wear a tie anymore. So um, I've moved on a little bit from a, a fashion perspective, but um, I must admit it was something that it wasn't, it did take me a bit, a bit by surprise and a little bit to get used to, but I'm really, really loving what I'm doing now. Good for you, mate. So basically you, you, the business was Ray White. Then you, then during the, the, the tail end of your Ray White partnership, the, the nucleus and the concept of real tear was, 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 was born. 
Yeah. Um, then you you went independent to province, okay, um, with 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 Realtor as the platform, if you like, as like an let, let's call it an agent services platform for, at this point, um, and a technology platform, um, and that was probably created by default, not design. It was probably like, hey, there's a void in the in the market here for our business. Um, let's create it, um, and then unexpectedly province was 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 sold and uh and then then you decided to put your blinkers on and focus on on real tear would that be sort of a reasonable summary yeah it is and look yeah. um it was just one of those moments where you know we, we spent a lot of time looking at at when we created real tear we spent about two years looking at everything that we did um we documented every single component part of what we do um, looked at when we did it, who did it, how much they were paid to do it. Could we automate it? Could we offshore it? Does it need to be done here? And looked at what sort of levels of efficiencies that we could actually get if we did make some change. And, and I guess back in those days, um, when, I, when I think of the word technology to what we have today, I'm, I'm a little bit embarrassed. It was, it was kind of a bit of a technology movie set, had a nice facade, but there was still a lot of um, hands-on keyboards in the background to a point today where... You know, we, we don't have anyone doing um, services within our platform today. It's all, um, it's all technology. Um, so back then we had four people um, operating our system uh, within our business of 27 agents and three offices. Uh, today we have over 130 people in the company um, servicing about 4,500 agents across the country. Mm, that's a very different ratio, isn't it? It's yeah. a big shift and a big learning curve, I can tell yeah. you. So in its in its infancy, Pete, Real Terror as a business, because it's evolved rapidly and dramatically since then, but in its infancy, what was the initial objective and void that you found in your business that you wanted to immediately plug? I think the the I remember when it was it's kind of like you know um, Back to the Future where the doc falls and he hits his head and he comes up with the idea of the flux capacitor. Mm, mm, My flux mm. capacitor moment was when I was in a, a one of our um, an eighteen year old administrative assistant um, who we'd been training for six months said, "Oh look, can I grab a coffee with you?" And this is whilst we still had the Ray White business and mm. uh, I was the CEO. And I said, yeah, sure, that's fine. We went and had a cup of coffee and you know, she was on like 50 grand or something like that at the time. And she said, look, I've been offered a gig at $75,000 and I'm going to go and work for an agent. And I just sort of thought like, you know, we've spent this time training this resource um, on all our systems and processes and we had no tech at that point. Mm. And, and we just couldn't, I just couldn't, I mean, financially we could, we could have sustained an increase, but it was such a significant increase. And it made me sort of think, well, you know, there's, there's a massive resource cost in the administration of a listing. Mm. Um, you need resources in order to do that. And there just wasn't the technology that was available at that time. Some great CRMs and some terrific other products, but none of them spoke to each other. So there was actually no process to follow. And when I looked at what our business was, Adrian, like we, we'd been trading as Ray White for 40 years. Uh, but if you'd asked me back then, you know, could I print out, press one button and print out what our exact sales process was from you know, pitching for the business to actually settle in the sale. I couldn't have done it. Mm. And I realised then that our, our business was really, and our processing of property, um, the sales transaction, was really subject to the people that we had recruited and employed at the time. Mm. And if they left us, then that would be influenced by the new people that came in because that we, we, we never actually had a solid process ourselves. 
Mm. And it was that moment that I went, okay, look, one, I, I did let her move on and, and have that change in her career and I hope all went well for her. Mm. But it, it was a defining moment for me to understand more about our business. Um, you know, I'd been an agent at that stage for, you know, 25 years or something. Mm. And I realised that, you know, there, there is a process there. I just didn't, I didn't have any um, evidence of what that process was. So then we just started um, documenting it and then we looked at project management software to actually um, run it. And once we kind of got to that conceptual understanding that this was scalable, we then started building our own proprietary tech from zeros and ones. Um, And we've been very lucky with the people that we've been able to do this with on this journey so far. Uh, We've had some, you know, really smart and um and innovative thinkers that have been able to you know apply some terrific technology to you know a a process now where you know a lot of our um of our processes are are automated which is great Mm. so at at that particular point let's let's call it floating ip you know these you had all these resources which were human beings and and the ip was really you know mobile and floating around with them and 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 if they left the business the ip would leave with them and then you'd have to reinvent the wheel right so yeah. this is this is where you saw an opportunity for efficiency and and technology is the obvious answer um, would you say that the the biggest pain point was list to launch rather than exchange to settlement because exchange to settlement has been reasonably uh, a, a, a skilled resource and a replaceable resource because you're sort of talking more financial controllers and and um, and trust accounting settlements etc. So those those roles are quite um, um, you know well documented and checklisted and complied. So so would you say it was more the list to launch process that was the most frustrating? Yeah, I think it was. And, and it was frustrating because, um, and I'd probably take it back a step and say that it's probably the, the, um, the, the prospecting, pitching, um, listing and launching, that, that whole space. Right. And, and really because I guess there's a, an, an amazing amount of intel that agents have got from their relationships in the market. Um, they know about the property. They know about the seller. Um, they've got an agreement and an understanding of what um, that they, their recommendations are for sale and all those sort of bits and pieces. And they've got a community in, in back, back in those early days. What I saw was that all our agents were um, sending emails to an administrator or talking to them and dictating what they needed, like for a submission, for example, or a proposal, um, or writing it down or, or, or SMSing it. And then that would then be created by a resource that would then be given back to the agent for approval. Mm. The agent would then approve that. And probably the most time that was taken in all that was the agent actually giving the approval to the administrator. Mm. And that was if there was no corrections. And that process would go on and on and on until there was actually approval done by both sides. The agent would then take that out, go out and present. And the thing that I looked at just in that part of it, so all the intel's with the agent. So there's got to be a better way. How do we help the agent um, engaging in um, the utilisation of technology to easily be able to populate that information from their head through their fingers and instead of typing an email off for somebody else to do it, to be able to do it themselves. Mm. Compromise of consistency, uniformity, professionalism, pace, all of those things. Um, And that's how pitch was created. Mm. And the same thing applied for sign. Um, you know, sign itself, it's, it's, it's signing an agency room. It's not, it's not rocket science, but mm. respectfully to all our agents, um, mm. most of them got it wrong. Um, mm. 
one way or another. And mm. as we talked about earlier about compliance, it's a really, really important thing. And you only, most agents only even worry about it when they have a problem. Mm. But as a principal, as you know, in a, in a supervisory role, mm. you know, it is your license that's on the block. So you need to make sure it's right at the outset. So mm. sign was a way for us to be able to sort a compliant process early in the piece to be more preventative uh, than a cure. And yeah. to be able to have, you know, customers execute documents as they expect these days um, on a uh, on a digital framework, either in person or remotely. Mm. So, mm. okay. So, yeah, for, for those that are not not familiar with the language we're using, Pete, um, Realtor uh, folks has many verticals to their business. Pete just referred to two of them. One is pitch. Now, that is a, a digital listing proposal document. Um, and 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 sign is a, a sign on glass agency agreement. Uh, you know, the, the, we're, we're talking in basic terms. Okay, so they were let's call them products, Pete, for a moment. They were the they were the earliest products of Realtor. They were, in fact, pitch was probably our first product, mm-hmm. uh, and sign came second. Mm-hmm. Uh, what would happen with uh, pitches is, is that in the very early days, is it to be all that same information be put in by the agent, but it'd be then uh, augmented by an offshore team. Mm-hmm. Uh, sign the same thing would apply with agency agreements, and then um, the tech was actually built so that um, when the agent created it, it actually created a digital document straight away on both those both those fronts. Mm-hmm. Um, Probably the breakthrough moment, I think, for us was when, with Sign, we created the ability to um, execute contracts and exchange contracts digitally. Um, that's been a huge part of what we do. And probably the next part of, of Sign was, you know, creating a DocuSign equivalent so that you could essentially sign anything within the same platform and the same subscription. So, um, yeah, the Pitch and Sign have been our two main drivers, but we've got a series of other products as well across the yeah. transaction process. Yeah, so let's 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 have a look at at those in in a sec. But at that particular point, um, Pete, did properly or agent point exist? Because they're 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 pitchers competitors. Let's call them. Did they exist, or were you first to market? No, they they existed, um, and both those um, software platforms are, are great platforms. Mm. I think the thing that um, that we brought to the table is that. We're not, we're not, we're, we are a tech company, but we're not tech people. So we, mm. we have tech expertise, but we apply the real estate thinking um, directly to all of our products where what we think about is how can this best help the agent? How can it provide um, a quicker process, a more efficient process, transparent process for the agent? How can we improve the pace and delivery of this product? How can we make it so they don't have to go and enter information twice I found it bizarre that you know, you know, still today, you could you could be using five different software systems and you have to key in the same information across those five systems. Mm. Um, that really aggravated me, to be honest. And what we in in everything that we do is that every one of our products talks to every other product. So if you put information into a price update which you send to a prospective seller who then says, "Hey, Adrian, come over and have a look at our place." and uh, you then send them a digital introduction. All that information, the price update flows to the digital introduction. The digital introduction then flows directly into the proposal. Everything you put in the proposal, your recommendations, your agency uh, fees and uh, your, your, your uh, comparable sales and everything else that goes with it and your marketing and calendars and all those sort of things all populates directly to your agency agreement. Mm-hmm. So 
Um, the best thing of all is that because we've got integrations with um, all the major CRMs, we can actually push that directly to the CRM so it doesn't need to be keyed there either. Mm. Uh, and I think fundamentally we approached it, um, it with a different view because we were looking at it from an agent's perspective and that's every, everything I say to my, my team, the, the developers to the, the product managers uh, and to our support team is that we don't do any changes to our system unless we see that it's going to add value to the agent um, when they're in the field. Um, and if it's anything that's going to create a blockage, then that's going to be removed. And we're forever looking at ways that we can improve that process. And our kind of mantra is, is that, you know, does this make it easier in the lounge room? And if the answer to that is yes, then that's something that we really focus on and, and work towards developing into our products. Okay. So at that particular point when we, 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 had, we had pitch and then we had sign, was the brains trust just yourself, Danny and Shane? Was that, were they the, the three people involved? At that stage, um, well, we've been very lucky to have some really key people um, involved in the business. And I guess we, we, that, um, they're certainly our, our shareholders, our, mm-hmm. our founding shareholders as well, mm-hmm. because we're all part of the same business in, um, in the Ray White Law and Offshore office. Mm-hmm. Um, but then we had um, a, a young guy called Blake Williams join our team, who is our um, CTO currently. Right. Okay. Um, Blake is, is responsible as the, the, tech, the tech architect, I like mm-hmm. to call him, uh, who's created the blueprint for all the products that we have. And we've been very fortunate. When I first met him, he was 17 years old. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't really um, have a great deal of faith that he was the right person purely because of his age. Mm. Within about six weeks, perhaps, maybe even earlier, um, he completely changed my mind on that. And I, I felt um, very bad about discriminating against his, him and his age. He, he, this is a guy, Adrian, who, you know, at the age of 12, he started his first degree and he's ended up with two of them mm. um, before he was 17 years old. So he's an exceptional human in many ways. Um, but, you know, that was, we were very fortunate to be able to have somebody with, um, I guess, the flexibility to be able to understand what we were trying to achieve, but also then have the technical expertise to be able to make it happen. Mm. Also for him at a very young age to be able to build a team that could actually then um, take a lot of the pressure off him having to do that himself. And in our dev team now, uh, Blake manages around about, I think it's about 65 people across our, um, across our dev team, which is quite incredible because he's now 22 years old. Mm. Um, and I've just been really lucky to, be, to have some terrific people to work with um, and that have partnered with us along this journey. Yeah, I always, always was thinking about that. And I was like, surely not, not three agents that have come up with this. So obviously you, you, had, you had the support and um, the IP of, of someone who was tech-based at that particular time at the, at the early stages and you sort of all linked arms from there. So after what came after Sign then in terms of, let, let's talk, talk let, let's call them verticals or products, whatever, what came after Sign? So after Sign, um, I guess Sign, obviously you're, you're executing all your agency documentation. So mm. you're digital executing agency agreements, contracts, reserve letters, price adjustments, everything. Mm. Um, and that's, that's in a workflow. So it's like, um, as I mentioned before, whatever you've done in the previous products or tools, you, it then translates into, into the next tool. Mm. Um, so the, the, the next tool that we, we have is Flow. Flow is, is about that, that whole, well, you talked before about list to launch. Mm-hmm. Um, is the whole back office side of things. So that's very administrative. 
It takes a lot of the pressure off uh, agents and administrators because we've actually documented every single activity. We can customise um, parts of that, but we can we configure um, a large part of that directly to the workflow that agents would actually use. Um, obviously, that first port of call is, is, is what we would describe as our base workflow, which is what we used. And that's, that's everything from uh, once the agency agreement has been listed, comes into the system, there's compliance checks that have been done, uh, there's notifications being sent to all parties at the right time. So it basically means that through flow, it's a workflow that says, well, look, if there is one thing to be done in the business by a person, once that's been completed, it then notifies the next person that they've got to do their task. So it means that it also creates an auditable path for a principal or somebody in a supervisory role to be able to see where the, the actual listing is through the process. And we actually have a percentage within flow as to where that property is currently up to. So if, if it was that, uh, as an example, it's at the point where it's just exchanged, it might be 80% way through its process. Uh, there's a further 20% for it to move through into settlement and to finish off as a completed transaction. Um, but we've also done little things with flow as well, which, which I'm really quite proud of. Um, you know, sales files are always difficult to get your hands on when you're a principal because agents do have their own way. Um, and that's, that's okay too. But when the property settles or the, the uh, property needs to be audited by the regulator, um, is that you've got to be able to have access to all the information really, really quickly. And there wasn't really any system that I'd found that actually contains all of that. What happens with Flow is that we create not only a digital log of all the communication, which is um, all date stamped and time stamped, is that we actually create a digital file of all the documentation that is all representative, again, by that date and time. So that anyone in the business at any time can actually go in and see when a document was created, uh, when an exchange took place, when a property was appraised and for how much and see the submission itself and all see that in one simple workflow. And I guess between pitch, sign and flow as our, as our primary three uh, products is that the interface that we've created deliberately is consistent so that it's, it's when you're in pitch, it's the same, um, the same dashboard as what you would see when you go into sign. When you go into flow, it's the same. And because all those products talk to each other, it means that an agent doesn't need to rekey any information twice. They don't need to save documents as, they don't need to you know, send a document to an administrator or an accounts department or anything like that. Flow takes care of all of those activities and makes sure that the, the resources that need to do their job get the information that they need at the time that they need it so they can get that job done quickly and efficiently. There's quite a considered sequence to those three products, isn't there? Like you're pitching for the business, then you're signing and then you're flowing. So they're they're not coincidental in terms of their names or order. Um, So, yeah, I I, I quite like the harmony of of that. So well done. I can tell you, Adrian, there's 267 processes between searching for a a customer that's, that's considering listing right the way through to settling a sale and we've documented um, every single one of them and, and, and created a tech platform that actually does all that stuff. It's brilliant. It's brilliant. Okay. And then Realtor starts to evolve even further um, and we, we partner with Cooley um, in terms of his, his, his um, auction 
online product. And then we also end up partnering with Lee Woodward in his, call it workbook module product, if you like. Um, how, did that come, how did those two partnerships come about? Well, Lee, Lee actually, um, we did the deal with Lee after we did the deal with Damien, but actually I started talking to Lee about two years earlier. Um, mm. Lee and I have known each other for about 20 years and, and when we started looking at all the back office flow, Lee was actually doing all our training in-house for our team. Mm-hmm. And the thing that I really um, have always admired about Lee is that he is very process-oriented. There is a start and a finish and, and, and by the way, that finish starts back at the start. So his whole thing coming from a plumbing background is, is that, you know, that there is that a pipe, it connects to a pipe. There's no pipe that actually doesn't connect to something else. So once you've made that sale, it becomes your, your, your established client and then your journey starts all over again. And I guess it was applying the sales process that Lee put in place with our back office process and looking at how we could translate Lee's, um, you know, really widely accepted, um, you know, sort of, I guess, benchmark uh, process for um, administering a listing and applying technology to that so that we could actually um, be able to uh, have that streamlined process from start to finish in a, in a tech platform. So that, that took a little while um, to come together. It took us about two years to bring all that together to where now the Real Estate Academy, um, which had traded for just under 30 years, is now the Realtor Academy. Um, it was Our investors were a little bit sort of unsure about whether you know, um, merging with the training company was the right thing to do. But the one thing that I, you know, I acknowledge is that tech without technique is just tech. And there's great tech that sits on people's computers that never gets used. And, it, and even though it provides a practical solution, the reality is it doesn't, um, it doesn't get used, which means it doesn't provide value. So the whole thing with Lee to bring that in was to ensure that we've got training, education, um, to provide that um, technique to the tech. And that really been a significant point of difference for us mm. it's interesting um yeah a lot of people may not remember this but back in uh, 1999 uh of one of my five ARIC presentations was with uh lee woodward and uh at the time you may recall he was a genman agent in the in northern beaches and mm-hmm. uh and i was an auction agent and we had this this banter if you like which was which was turned into an ARIC presentation about private treaty versus auction and that that was our, our first uh public speaking engagement together so that was that, that was interesting back then yeah. um, but but you're totally right about you know without technique tech doesn't exist because you know in and in, in in all the coaching sessions that i'm involved with pete everyone's looking for the silver bullet and they're saying listen adrian what's the best crm and I'm, i say to them you, you you're thinking about it the wrong way um you know i've got one agent you know who uses microsoft outlook as a crm and is doing 12 million gci um you know i i started using act you know 27 years ago because it was literally the only crm available back then um and i managed to sell you know two and a half thousand properties through through that because i used it and i believed in it um and prior to that i used an eight by four box card system because that was that was the only thing available then so it's 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 really what you use and how you use it and and consistency rather than what's the silver bullet you know because everyone's looking for that that shortcut 
Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. I, I, I used to be like most people, I would sort of be searching for that treasure chest of, mm. of the real estate gold. And I remember um, being at a James Tostevin training session once and he basically stood up and said, I'm going to tell you everything I know, how I do what I do, why I do what I do, when I do what I do, because I know most of you, if not all of you, will never do it. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember sitting in that uh, training session going, you, I'm going to, I'm going to get it. Do it. Yeah. I'm going to show you. Mm. I left that training session. You know what I did? Nothing. Yeah, nothing. Yeah. Yeah. Until I yeah. saw it again and I, I, I whacked myself over the back of the head and said, right, I'm not going to be this, this silly again. Mm. And like most things, I then took um, a number of things that he did and I applied that to my business and, and I, I, I benefited from it. I was, mm. Mm. I, I then sort of, you know, that, that's what kind of made me realize about all this stuff is it's like sort of saying, some people say, I've got a really, really good idea. And you go, oh, look, ideas are great, but mm. you know, an idea without action mm. is, it's just a bit of puffery. Absolutely. Yeah, well, look, all, every coaching client I work with, Pete, a, a mandatory requirement is, is is accountability. So unless they, they commit to accountability, I, I, I'll refuse to do a, any coaching with them at all because in isolation, the coaching session is, is, is absolutely useless. Um, but followed up with accountability and action, um, then, then it actually becomes something that's implementable where you can move the needle. Um, so... What's next for Realtor? Um, look, you know the thing, the, the thing that I am really excited about and the thing I love about my job now is that you and I can have a conversation and say, do you know what it'd be good if? Mm. And, and I, I then think about that and I think about, well, how could we make that if happen? Mm. And I guess when you've got a team of people, skilled people like we have and the volume of people that we have, and I guess with the interest and the ability to be able to take that if and turn it into something that adds value to the process, that's the thing that I'm most excited about. So we've got a roadmap of things coming up, um, a whole range of different things. You know, we're, um, we've got a product um, that's going to be coming out shortly. It's just in pilot now um, where we'll be able to receipt the 10% deposit at the point of digital exchange of contracts. So to digitally receipt that deposit um, is, a, is again, you kind of go, well, you know, a lot of agents are using our digital contract exchange process, um, but then they're taking checks back to the office. Um, we've got a series of other products coming out shortly as well that relate to the vendor and buyer side of things um, called Home Passport, which is kind of like flow for, for a seller at that point where um, it's just a simple portal that, that opens up where we're able by integration with all the systems that we can integrate with be able to populate all that information that the seller has just signed up to. So the agency agreement, the marketing calendar, the photos, the floor plan, the copy, um, you know, dealing with the communication between the agent and the, and the vendor, even though it's done by email, we can pull that into home passport and basically create a property digital property file for the seller um, that they can access anytime, anywhere, rather than sort of just putting it in the folder um, along with the agency agreement and all the other paperwork. So there's those sort of things where we kind of look at, look, listen and, and learn from the industry to understand where are the where are the pain points, and if they're not pain points, where are the things that we can we can add, uh, you know, really enormous value to all parties within the transaction. Mm-hmm. Um, Auction now is an example where we're um, just about to launch a, a new process with that called Buy Now, where there's actually the ability for an agent to manage offers digitally. Um, rather than um, the process of managing the auction, they're able to actually manage 
pre-auction offers um, within the platform and be able to manage private treaty offers coming through the platform. So that's a, another interesting thing that we're, we're looking at. So I don't think our job's ever going to be done. In fact, another mantra of ours is that the day that we feel that we've been successful and we're, we're, we've achieved um, the, you know, the goal, well, that's the day that we're dead. Um, yeah. Technology I've learned is it's, it's kind of like having a boat and, you know, you, a lot of people buy a boat and the best day they buy it is the day they buy it. And the second best day is the day they sell it. Um, in this instance, the thing that you do find that's similar is, is it like boats where you pour money into them all the time? Technology is the same. You just keep um, investing. And if you don't keep investing, then the technology becomes redundant. And there's lots and lots and lots of cases around the world and, and, and locally in the real estate space where, you know, that, that the, the entrepreneurial flair, flair of that, uh, that founder has been lost and the, there's been no money invested in uh, evolving the product. So, mm. That's it's, it's, it's interesting and it's actually refreshing for our industry, Peter, that um, we have only benefited via technology. So you and I were around pre-REA, pre-domain, pre-email, pre-internet, hmm. um, where, you know, you literally, uh, you know, call the, the Wentworth Courier or the, or the North Shore Times and the, the property would appear 10 days later and someone would walk through the open and they'd ask for a contract and they'd get that two days later. So, so you know, all technology has done is made our business more efficient. It's reduced our days on market. And the consumer, and in fact, all stakeholders of the transaction have highly benefited from it. Uh, the buyer, the seller, the agent, solicitors, everyone has benefited from technology. So, Anyone who's talking about disintermediation or disruption, uh, that, that, that's, just, that's just not going to happen. Um, yeah. In saying that, has Realtair um, displaced labour resources or has it created additional labour resource? I think it's probably de- deployed, redeployed resources. Mm-hmm. I mean... If you're an agent today and you were at a point in your career where you were looking to uh, put on a, a, a resource and, and in a traditional space, you would say, well, look, I need to get somebody to take care of all the stuff that's non-dollar productive for me, mm. which is all the administration tasks and all those sort of things. Mm. Um, the technology allows an agent to be able to do all those things themselves very easily um, without the intervention of an administrative um, PA. And, and we've, we've, been out, we've got many examples of that. Um, across the country mm. but, but that doesn't mean that the agent doesn't um, employ a resource but it just means that that resource no longer is focused on the non-dollar productive activities they're focused on the revenue producing activities and and they're there to, to be a leverage agent for um, for the agent themselves and and that's been a really big shift um, you know I look at the of our customers are using pitch now the price update is a is a, is a really handy little document it's just mm. it's all part of the subscription just drops a pin around the property property that um, you're trying to prospect the owner and you send them an email and it sends them all the comparable sales that it's around or all the sales around their property. You get a notification when they've looked at it, that gives you the, the sort of the indication as to when to call them. And, you know, we had a text message from an agent the other day, which I won't be able to share with you because it's, um, it's got, it's got an F word in it, but basically it says, uh, says this thing is so effing good. I sent out a price update 13 months ago. Mm. I got a notification on Sunday night at 9.30. I called them on Monday morning at nine o'clock and I listed it on Wednesday. Wow. And I look mm. at that and go, you know, that's, 
that's cool because like for you and I, as you mentioned before, you know, we'd make a call out of our little tickler box with our cards. Mm. We'd just put it forward 90 days. Mm. We'd never know, um, you know, we'd, we'd leave a message. Um, there wasn't email back in those days either. Um, and you look at it now and you think, you know, that's just, it's so cool. And, and, and that's where I take your point before is that, you know, it doesn't matter what system you're using. You've just got to use that system efficiently. Um, mm. But I guess the difference with what we're trying to achieve here is to try and we're, we're stitching together the core products so that they make sense in a real estate space. Mm. But probably I think the biggest thing that we can do collectively as an industry, firstly, is collaborate around technology. I think if you've got technology providers that don't provide open APIs, uh, they're the wrong provider. Even if they've got the best product, they're the wrong provider because not everyone can do everything. We've got open APIs and we integrate with anyone um, because there might be some 12-year-old kid in, in Kingsford right now that's writing a real estate app that's going to change the way that we do things. Well, we want to make sure that we can integrate with that and provide value to whomever it is that's providing value to in the transaction process. And for, also, For those that are not sure of what that acronym stands for, API, could you just explain? You know, I'm embarrassed to say to you, I, I actually don't know, but I'll tell you what <laughs> Yeah, it's an API is is an open connection. So it's like kind of putting a a, a a wire out and saying, look, anyone can plug into this. Doesn't matter what connection you've got. Um, we just plug the two together and the system starts. Um, right. So a conduit, like a technology conduit. It's a technology conduit. Yeah, my, my CTO Blake is is going to flog me for not not uh, knowing. That's what fine. <laughs> That's fine. Okay, but interesting. It's really important though, Adrian, because. You know, the thing is, is that if we don't collaborate as an industry, then, then we do face, you know, a much greater risk of disruption. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's collaborating with all industry partners. You know, it's collaborating with everyone from, you know, sort of CRMs and, and portals and payment systems and, mm-hmm. and all those sort of things. Because what we need to do is to be able to make sure that we've got the tools available to us. Because the one thing that will not replace agents um, is technology. But what mm-hmm. will replace agents is you know, agents will, agents will be replaced who do not embrace technology. That's essentially um, the message. Yeah. Um, and I also reckon too that we've got a great opportunity as an industry, a, a world-setting opportunity to bring a greater level of transparency to the process and utilising technology in that way so that what we talked about earlier in the piece around buyers and, you know, their frustrations in this market, that we can, you know, if, if you know, great, maybe the utopia is that we can eliminate that frustration. But even if we can minimise a great deal it'll it'll actually improve you know the overall uh, perception of real estate agents in the market because we're all good people like the thing that amazes me from an REI perspective and also I'm going to get on my REI horse here the amount of money that agents invest in their local community to support um, their local community and those people within that community is absolutely astounding um, the lengths that agents will go to to, to support um, you know their customers in their local community and that that never gets taken into consideration uh, from a reputational point of view mm. um, and I think that because particularly around the transaction there's it's it's not as transparent as possibly as it could be you know save save the auction process it's very transparent mm. if if we can improve that transparency in that private treaty space I think that there will go a long way to improve our reputational performance um, in the marketplace. And I think that, you know, our, we'll, we'll certainly shoot past the lawyers um, and, and the accountants and everybody else if we can achieve that objective. 
Yeah, I agree. Now, it's so true about, um, you know, the industry and the coaching piece evolving because, you know, if I was coaching someone three years ago and they said, what's my first uh, job description look like in terms of uh, the assistant I employ? And it, it, it would literally be um, everything that's non-dollar productive. But now it's like, look, you've got to work for a business that handles all the in-house non-dollar productive activities, you know, list to launch, exchange to settlement. And and your first associate needs to be 80% dollar productive. And then there's there's going to be that out-of-office non-dollar productive activities like pre-settlement inspections, um, you know, post-sale ex- uh, evaluations, um, you know, buy measure-ups, pest buildings. I mean, that's fine. That's, that's just part of the deal. But, yeah, my, you know, mantra and, and my, you know, recommendations in that in that space has, has, has evolved dramatically. And technology's got, got a big, big, you know, a big uh, role in that um, because when I say you've got to work for an office that provides that, it's either through a labour resource or through a piece of technology um, and in, in most occasions today it's a hybrid of, 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 of both. Um, so I, I think you, you, you nailed that. Um, Pete, as we start wrapping up, sorry, mate, we've gone a lot longer than we, we thought. Are you right for another five minutes? Yeah, yeah no, I'm yeah, good. Yeah, good. yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it's just two, two, two blokes chatting, you know, that, that are very passionate about real estate. And um, so in terms of, um, you know, agents listening, you know, because we, we do have a lot of agents at different levels, you know, some are just starting out. Some have been established for a while. And as you've said, you know, the, the, there's a lot of agents who have been established for a while who, who, who have some reluctancy to embrace technology. And, you know, often I use a saying, it's like, you know, if, if you don't like change, you're going to hate extinction even worse. I don't know where I first heard it, but it's, it's, it certainly is a, is a penny dropper for a lot of those agents. And does that mean you need to be a master in, you know, social media or, or technology? No, but, um, you know, you need to surround yourself with people um, that, that, that certainly are experts in, in their field. Um, you know, I think it was Richard Branson who said, look, I'm not the smartest person in the room, but I certainly like to surround myself with, with the smartest people in the room in their certain purviews and, and, and specialties, you know? So, so I think the beauty of technology is that it's that user friendly these days. And, and I know, you know, intimately looking at, at your technology, it's that user friendly that you, you don't need to be an expert. You know, you, you've really just got to follow the process um, and, and, and it won't take you that long to get, to get used to it. So what, what advice would you give, you know, agents, you know, these days, whether they're just starting out or, or they've been in it for a while, what advice would you give them, not just from a technology point of view, but, if they're looking um, at, at, you know, increasing their productivity, um, what, what are the, the, the top couple of tips that come to mind uh, that are implementable immediately from, from their point of view? Yeah, it's a great question. I mean, look, the, I think the thing for anybody um, in the real estate industry today, if, if, they, if they ignore technology, it's, it'll be a very short journey. Yes. It'll end abruptly. Um, that's my first tip. Um, yeah. So I, embrace, I, embrace technology. Embrace um, technology. And, 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 it's and, noisy. Yeah. It's very noisy out yeah. there. Yeah. Like, there's a lot to choose from. I get that. It's, yeah. That's hard. Um, I, I think probably the, the most important thing in, in our whole industry is about education and training. So, you know, being able to have access to 
um, resources and, and, and people and educators like yourself um, to understand the, because they, they weren't really around um, back in our day. Like mm-hmm. there was franchise training, um, which was very good um, and very much about how to, um, but it was also quite insular. There's now so many options available, whether it's through coaching or webinars or, or attending training sessions or things like that. There's so much available. You can't educate yourself enough. And you know, there's so much to learn from such amazing people who have been through, you know, what um, they're about to sort of embark upon. Mm. Um, and the other thing I think is that um, the, the thing about real estate is, is that you, there's no, there is no such thing as where, you, where you're off. Like you are on all the time, whether, mm. whether you're on holidays, you're on, mm. if you're in the office, you're on, if you're going for a jog, you're on, if you're in the car, you're on, there's no such thing as an off switch because, you know, we are a, a community resource and you just never ever know who your next potential listing is going to be or where your next sale may necessarily come from or who that buyer might be. Um, so I guess the point about that is, is that, you know, understand what you're committing yourself to, that you are a public figure and mm. at the time too, you, you're, you're, um, you're not a nine to five job and it's not, it's not a five day a week role as you would know very, very well. It's, um, mm. it's a big commitment. Um, they're two great points so in in summary guys what 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 pete's saying is number one embrace technology but um don't be distracted by the eclectic you know mix and 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 uh options available maybe just just eat the elephant one bite at a time and surround yourself with people that know what they're talking about obviously you know real tear would be a great start and 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 obviously you know maybe getting some advice on social media would would be a great start um secondly what pete's saying is if you're serious about real estate you can't really separate life and work you know it's a bit of a misnomer this work-life balance you know because really you're 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 a public figure in your community um and you know you you're always on as pete's saying you know you're you're in listing and selling mode 24 7 um and does that mean you don't have a personal life no no it just means that they're they're probably symbiotic both of them you know personal and, and business and and there's a lot of fantastic agents pete who their best lead generation mechanism is through their private networking whether it's um, you know, the, the, the school their kids go to or, 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 you know, running clubs, you know, through the school or sports through the school. So, you know, you, you don't have to quarantine both parts of your life. They can symbiotically exist, if you like. Mm, They're certainly yeah. not mutually exclusive, yeah. Um, t- talking about sort of, and just as, as we wrap, and we'll definitely wrap up now, but as we, as we like that, that whole work-life balance and everything, I mean, from the outside looking in, I look at you and think, she's okay, founder and CEO of a rapidly growing business, um, president, you know, elect of, of the Real Estate uh, Institute, family man, two kids, yeah. Um, yep. All right, two, yeah. Yeah. Um, one you, one of your daughters, Abby, is a special needs child. You know that that's got its own challenges. So, you know, to put things into perspective, you know, agents wake up and think, "Oh shit!" You know, I lost a listing today. It's the end of the end of the world. It's like, well, hang on a sec. You know, like there's there's you know just just under half of the world's population live on like two dollars fifty a day, 
Um, you've got one person every 10 seconds dying of starvation, um, mostly children across the world because there's 8 billion people in the world, not just 25 million in Australia. So people lose perspective a little bit, Pete. Um, so you juggle a lot and you've obviously, you know, you've got a personal adversity there that, that, that you're dealing with. How do, you, how do you manage it all and how do you keep focused and, and remain not so much positive because that's a bit cliche, but how do you remain on purpose, I suppose? Yeah, yeah that's, a, that's a good way of putting it. Um, do you know, like to, to remain on purpose um, as a parent, number one, you, you have no choice. So um, mm-hmm. I, I didn't get to choose whether I would or I wouldn't. Um, you know, Abby, um, who's our 19-year-old daughter, um, she, she, was, she was born with um, an issue that was undiagnosed for 13 years. Wow. So we knew she didn't hit a milestone. She's got some intellectual disabilities. Um, she she can't um, walk independently. So she is um, she's using a wheelchair, um, and her life um, was not normal, which meant our life was not normal. Um, but what what happens with normal is that you just redefine what normal is because that becomes your normal life. And I guess the thing that you know, I've been very fortunate to be surrounded by great people who have been very supportive of me and my family. Um, I've had um, been lucky to have incredible business partnerships as well, where I've been able to be supported in a in a work um, in a work frame as well, which has been um, I've been very lucky. But I think the thing too is is that what it does do when you've got a child that that um, that does have special needs. One, you visit hospital a lot. And the one thing you realise is no matter how you feel about where you are, um, there is always somebody else, unfortunately, that's in a, in a worse position. And I think the thing is that you do have to look at it that way um, because, you know, it is um, it, those sort of things can become overwhelming. But at the same time, too, I, I think that we are lucky that we've had this um, we've had this issue in our lives because I think it makes us better people. And it also... Um, I think Abby's lucky that she's um, been born into an environment like ours as well, because what, what we've been able to do as a family is to not look at Abby's disability as, an, as a disability. It's just a different ability mm. and to try and look at the very positive of things. And uh, without my very supportive uh, wife, who you know really is Abby's full-time carer, and and frankly, with with the, with the new changes to the NDIS, it's made a, a big difference in our lives as a family. Um, you know, it would have been very challenging. So um, probably that's where, again, not if I I've just had you know good support. I've I've been lucky enough to you know find the my my life partner in Rebecca and we've been able together as a family to be able to support Abby and, and help her get the best out of the opportunities that she has and make sure that, um, that she can embrace them um, as they arrive. Beautiful way of, of looking at it, um, Pete. And, you know, if I can reference our mate, Chris Helder, you've, you've, you've created a useful belief around your current, current reality. And your useful belief is that, um, you know, this happened and as a result, this is our new norm and this is the way our life looks, you know. So rather than asking all the wrong questions which create a lot of disempowering emotions, why me, why, you know, who do I blame, you know, you know it's, it's just that's just it, it, that's not going to really solve any issues. 
And again, they're, they're very disempowering emotions. So I think the attitude that you've adopted is, 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 is very admirable. And um, yeah, we, I applaud you, mate. And you're, you're a great example, Pete, of um, the, the myth buster of people often say, oh, good guys finish last. Well, that's bullshit. You're, you're, you know, you're a great example of good guys finishing first, you know, where you've done a lot of terrific, um, you know, things in your life and the universe has responded and, um, and good, good for you, mate, you and your family d- deserve, deserve all the, the, the success and happiness and health moving forward, you know, so good for you. I appreciate that. I really appreciate that. It's um, one of those things I think that, um, you know, ultimately what I feel like is that my, my best work on the, on the, uh, on the work side of things is, is yet to come. Um, mm. And I'm really looking forward to the next few years of our industry because I do think that we globally are going through a significant change. If you look at what's happening in the States with, um, you know, iBuyer groups and, and a whole range of other things that are happening over there. Compass just recently IPO'd. You've got um, some other uh, companies like EXP around the globe that have grown exponentially. Mm. Uh, I think as an industry in Australia, we've got um, such a, a marvellous opportunity to add, you know, some show the world what we're capable of and as i said earlier if we can collaborate um you know we can work as as one and you know do that from a you know a, i guess a a, a a a work platform a tech platform and also a um a governance platform at a at a, at a, at a lobbying perspective mm. um, we do unite if we, if we at the rei you know we had greater support from members and we had even more members um we can we can have a genuine uh, influence on on what happens to our legislation in a much more substantive way um, if we do work well together. So mm. the, the more the merrier. Yeah, and just briefly on that, because you talked about growth, it was well publicised recently. REA has either taken a stake or a partnership in Realtor. Could you just briefly tell us about that? Yeah, so they uh, they have taken uh, a small interest in, in us. Um, they, it was reported... Uh, only a couple of months ago, actually, that they they took um, 19.9%. So we control, you know, 80, 80.1% of the company. Um, that was a really important strategic um, uh, investment from them in us to be able to provide us with, you know, I guess, the capital. The one thing about tech um, that everyone will tell you who's ever been in it, um, it is, it's not a cheap thing to do. Mm. Writing technology is, is not... Um, it's not hard, mm. um, but but maintaining it and innovating it is, and that's where the money goes. Mm. Also, I think you know our whole platform has been about collaboration, and and having the biggest portal in the world be able to assist from a a, um, a data perspective, be able to get insights of what buyers are looking for, to be able to um, access you know their their um, their historical sales information, um, as well as you know a customer base um, that's quite broad. Uh, or 98% of the total market is is a really, really good thing. Um, and I guess, too, the other part of it is is that one, one thing I did realise about about what their objectives are is that they're not interested in, in, in buying out businesses and incorporating that wholly and solely into their, into their platform. What they're interested in is partnering with businesses like ours um, so that, that they actually get the value and the understanding of, of how the process can work best for their customer, who is the agent, um, and also find ways for them to be able to, um, you know, I guess, collectively with the agent, 
um, and and ourselves and with REA is also to better serve the consumer as well. So um, it's been a really welcome addition to our investor group. We had uh, some other commercial investors we still do that have been integral in our growth, um, but we are still um, very much largely a, um, a group of, of former real estate principals. Some, you know, mm. with Danny and Shane still shareholders and they're still listing and selling property. Mm. Uh, as well as, you know, some family and friends that have been supportive of us in our journey. So uh, we welcome that kind of investment because that helps us grow and continue to provide better services and, in, and innovation to our products. That's a great endorsement, the fact that they've taken, you know, that, that, that portion of, 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 of interest in, in, the, in, the, in the actual business. So I think it's a terrific endorsement. Does that, does that mean that IPO is inevitable for Realtor? Uh, look, I... Do you know, uh, I, I do get asked about exits all the time. Mm. The thing, I, I'm, I'm 49 years old this year. Mm. I, I've been an agent for, you know, well, since I was 18 years old. Mm. Um, I'll, I'll be an agent for the rest of my life. Mm. And the thing that, um, that I'm passionate about is, is, is adding value to the process and transforming our industry so that we are um, valuable and valued in the community. And I just look at the, the whole thing, the, the, the one thing that... that Technology is never, ever going to replace is the relationship. Mm. As long as we can help facilitate that relationship between the agent and the customer um, and, and make that, you know, improve that, in, improve the, the transparency around that, then, um, then we've got a long, long, long time to, to be in business and, and focus on that part of it. Because I think that's, that's the key. If, if tech can assist that, um, I want to be the person that's going to be responsible for bringing that um, to the industry because I really think we, we need it. And I do think that it's going to be something that'll be very much welcomed by, by all our customers. Terrific, excellent. All right, we're well, well and truly going to wrap up now, mate. But there's there's four quick questions that I always finish the podcast on, and they're meant to um, uh, um, attract a, a visceral and instinctive response because I put you on the spot with them. Um, okay. So, firstly, um, do you have a daily ritual or something that you do uh, on a c- consistent basis? Um, not really. Weekly, I swim twice a week. I do ocean swimming. It's probably it's not really a fitness plan. It's a mental health plan, to be honest. Good, good. So it's a, it not, not so much a daily ritual, but a weekly ritual that you yep. stick with. Yeah, good for you. With with the objective of maintaining mental health and the byproduct is there's some physical benefits from it, right? Yep. Good. Um, secondly, um, best well, one of the best decisions you've ever made in, in business or in your career? I think probably the best decision that we made um, was when we decided, well, I decided to focus all of my energies on, um, on building Realtor. So it was that, that, that sort of sliding door moment where I, I, I thought to myself, well, I, I, need to, I need to do this not just for us, but, but for the whole, the whole industry. I'm, that, that, that is very vivid in my mind that moment. Thank you on behalf of the industry. It's an outstanding business and a terrific products um, and a cachet of, 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 of um, you know, verticals and, and options that you've got. So thank you. Um, third one is a poor or potentially the worst decision you've made in your career. I think probably the worst decision that I've ever made in, in real estate was, um, which I'm sure every agent who has ever got in the industry um, where you've contemplated leaving mm. and you've thought to yourself, you know, I, I don't want to go and do the prospecting. I'm tired of the rejection. Mm. Um, I, I, you know, I've missed a listing. I've had a, a friend or a relative who's listed with somebody else, which is one of the most crushing blows or somebody you've been chasing for a long time. 
where I've, I've, I've come close um, in my early days um, thinking that, look, I'm not sure if this is for me. And um, that would have been probably one of my, my poorest decisions. But at the same time too, that was probably the best decision where I decided I'd, you know, it's, it's, if it is to be, it is up to me. I've just got to knuckle down and I've got to make this my career. And I think that was probably, when I look, when I think back across my career, I, I didn't do that just once, to be frank. I, mm. I've done that a couple of times, particularly um, in the early days. And, and I guess that's, the, that's a really, it's a tough call. But, you know, if you do believe in, in what you're doing, um, you know, you've just got to put your head down and, and focus and pick up that phone and make that call that you don't feel comfortable doing. Mm. Getting out of your comfort zone is, is, a, is a really critical thing to success in our industry, as you know. So what you're saying is avoid getting that close to the edge. Yeah, I think it's, you know, you, you've, you said it earlier before, you, you set yourself a plan and you, you, you don't go and, you know, take a massive chunk, just, just bite little bits off at a time. I think the Japanese have got a, a saying called Kaizen, which is about incremental improvement. And it, and it only takes a little bit, 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 and it makes a massive difference. Mm. And, you know, trust your gut and um, just put your head down and work hard. Yeah, Tony Robbins has got a great acronym, CANI, C-A-N-I, Constant and Never-Ending Improvement, which, mm. is, which is a similar sort of concept. Last thing is no, uh, no topic off limits. You ask me a question, anything you like. Um, well, I mean, you, you, you're, you're, you've, you've been in history for a really long period of time. You've had um, an incredible career with McGrath and, and now um, with NG Farah. I mean, you've seen incredible changes in the way that, that real estate's done. Where, where do you see things going from here and how do you see that technology can assist with that growth? Yeah, I think similar to what I was saying previously, Peter, is that all I've ever been exposed to in my real estate journey from the minute technology was introduced, so I'm talking, you know, pre-email, pre-internet, um, I, I still remember sitting down, you know, in, in, in Juniper Hall, which was, you know, the beautiful heritage building where the McGrath office was, was, and we were just one office, myself, John, and five, five other people, you know, and, and our communication process was, was um, memos, which we'd just write out and then place on other people's desk. And then I, I remember the day in 94 when in, email was introduced and, 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 and then the following year, REA, you know, was, was introduced, et cetera. So, so, all it's ever done, and then you look at the journey that's continued since then from a technology point of view, which the next sequential one was probably a CRM system, and then the one after that was, was, was probably products similar to, to yours, and then, then obviously the most recent being social media, right? Um, all it's done as a real estate practitioner, putting that hat on, because obviously I wear two hats in, in the coaching arena, but certainly as a real estate practitioner, all I've seen it do is reduce my days on market, make the consumer experience more seamless, um, make the process more transparent, and uh, to, to quote Jeff Bezos, where his only mantra and he owns the, let's call it the highest revenue business in the world. He, he fluctuates between being the most you know, wealthiest individual in the world, but certainly the highest revenue business in the world in Amazon. I mean, his only two mantra is how quick is it to do business with Amazon and how easy is it to do business with Amazon? And that's a technology business, right? So, so all I've seen technology do is make us, 
do quicker and easier transactions with with our consumer base or every stakeholder in the, in the process. Um, so I, I think that's only going to continue. Um, and I think you know with your new products and where social media is heading, and and I, I think it's 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 endless, really. It's infinite. It's infinite. Um, and I I genuinely do not feel that our industry will ever be disintermediated. Um, there'll be little disruptions here and there, but but certainly never never disintermediated. And and you know anyone listening to this thinking, ah, oh, you know you guys are talking about technology, doesn't that doesn't that displace labour? Well, we've just talked about that. Um, it, it actually creates new roles, new opportunities, and um, and as you pointed out previously, Pete, what it does is is you you actually just um, you know reskill existing labour. Um, for, 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 for other purposes, you know. So I don't think, I don't think that it actually displaces labour. I, I think it actually increases it. And, you, you, you know, you're a perfect example of that. You know, Realtair was, you know, three people and now it's a, a, a business of employing how many people? 130. There you go. There you go. So without, without a technology platform, what would those 130 people be doing? I don't mm. know. You know, so... Yeah. Oh, I agree. I think, um, you know, our business has all been about relationships. So if we can do anything that can enhance that relationship and improve that, then I think that's a good thing. Awesome, mate. Listen, uh, I've, we've taken way too much of your time. Uh, I'm, 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 I'm eternally grateful for it. I've enjoyed our chat immensely. Um, we just had a couple of thousand people that are going to be listening on. Um, so uh, I really appreciate your time, Pete, and all the best with this president-elect um, uh, period. And uh, I know that you're going to have the entire industry um you know rooting for you and 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 certainly supportive of you and uh, if anyone needs to to reach out what's is it through social email or what's the best way look i'm on linkedin they can find me on linkedin um, they can contact me through realtor or through the rei um and yeah i'd be very happy to receive calls because i think um you know the more that we can support each other not just for you know for you know, for advice and, you know, around, you know, tech and training and all those sort of bits and pieces, but mm. just, to, you know, someone to talk to about, about what your thoughts or, or concerns or issues are, and also just to, to learn from each other. So, yeah, I'm mm. happy to talk to anyone. Mate, I love it. And I just love how you, you share my altruistic attitude towards the industry. And, you know, I've got two, two you know, major commitments um, in my life and, and two legacies, which I want to leave because I don't have children yet. I may or may not. It's just unknown. But one is to improve the, the, the level of practitioners within the industry um, from a skill and integrity point of view. And, and number two is to really increase awareness around mental health in the industry because as, as a coach um, a lot of my sessions end up counting into counseling sessions I'm very fortunate that I've got um, uh, a skill set around you know cognitive behavioral therapy and and some other um, initiatives uh, but it's it's a problem and it's a big problem and I'm, I'm doing everything I possibly can you know every every coaching session um, any uh, auction people book me for part of proceeds go to both Beyond Blue and the Black Dog Institute. Um, so feel free to hit up my website, adrianbow.com. There's online training. There's my academy, which is a recent initiative, which is incredible. Um, and there's a lot of modules in person or Zoom as well. So um, thanks again, Pete. You're a legend, mate. 
Thanks, Adrian. Really appreciate it. Thanks, um, thanks for your time as well. And um, I hope the listeners get some value out of the chat. Absolutely, mate. I'm sure they will. I'm, I'm confident and very, very certain of it. So thanks again, mate. Enjoy the rest of uh, your, your day and I'll talk to you real soon. Sounds good. All right. Thank you. See, see you, listeners. We'll see you next week. Bye for now.